everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety, and uh, welcome to this question and answer-based podcast. So if you have a question for me to answer about OCD and anxiety and uh, and how to work with that, how to overcome it, if you have a family member who might have it and you're wondering how to help them, this is what this podcast is for. So you can go to fearcastpodcast.com. You can put, uh, you can send me a, a, a question by clicking on the submit a question link, and uh, I will read it, consider it, and likely put it up. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. There is a little bit of a backlog, which is fantastic, but if you would like your question to get bumped to the top, and even if you don't need it bumped to the top, but um, would like to contribute to the podcast, send me an audio question. Those audio questions will get bumped up uh, to the next recording. You can go over to Instagram. I'm over there at Instagram. You can uh, send me a direct message there and just click on the uh, little microphone button there. Send me an audio there. You can send me an email uh, through uh, uh, through um, the website, Fearcast Podcast, and uh, send me a, a shared Google Drive to your uh, to your audio, you recorded it. Uh, there are a couple apps out there. You can also just email them to me at uh, questions at fearcastpodcast.com. So, um, uh, for those who have listened to those episodes, gosh, I, I I think they make the the podcast so much so much more lively, so much more interesting to hear your voices out there as opposed to just hearing my voice over and over again. Um, and it uh, it's just it, it is it is fun to hear the diversity uh, in in the questions from the people asking it. So um, let's see. I don't really have anything to add lately. I hope everyone's uh, gosh March. March, everybody. Hope everyone's March is going well. Um, this is going to date it then. If you're listening to this sometime this summer, you'll be like, who cares what's happening in March? Or life is awful in the future. And um, they said, oh, March, how quaint. Wasn't that, you know, remember when, I don't know, the aliens weren't eating our brains. That was a nice time. So anyways, I hope that's not what's happening in the future. But you know, weird things happen. Um, <clears throat> so let's, uh, I suppose, without further ado, let's get on to the questions. Let's see here. I think I'm going to start, you know, I yeah, I think I'm going to start with the uh, with the questions. Um, no, I talked myself out of it. Uh, I'm going to read a success story. This is actually something that I, I haven't mentioned before. If you have a success story, we also want to hear those. Uh, if you go to fearcastpodcast.com and, and do the submit a question link, you'll have the option. You can say if it's a, a podcast question uh, or if it's a success story. If you have a success story, I would love to hear about it. So this is a success story coming from Daphne. So she writes, um, I'm not recovered, but since being recently diagnosed with OCD and thinking it was generalized anxiety disorder for 10 plus years, I feel so empowered by your podcast and the exposures in your podcast as a subtle way of shoving in our faces and showing us that thinking about it or being triggered isn't the end of our lives. Thank you so much for everything. Um, uh, keep being you and making these wonderful podcasts. Daphne, thank you so much for that, uh, for those wonderfully kind words. And um, I, I, I hope I'm subtly or kindly, I guess, shoving it in your, your face. Um, 
it, it sounds a bit more aggressive saying it like that. I, I hope it doesn't feel like that. But um, but I'm so glad, Daphne, that there's something within the podcast that's been helpful for you and is encouraging. And um, you know, keep at it, keep pushing at it. I'm so sorry that you were misdiagnosed as uh, GAD for so long. Um, but that's kind of what they say is that the the average person. I think the stat is it takes 13 or is it 13 years? Maybe 13. I'm going to say 13. 13 years between um, uh, between the start of symptoms to the time that someone gets uh, reasonable and appropriate treatment, which is a bonkers long time. Um, so it's, it's not unheard of, but you know, hopefully with this podcast, with other podcasts, with all the information on the internet, this information is getting out there and people are learning about what's going on sooner so they can get appropriate treatment faster. So for anybody else out there, if you have a, a recovery story, not just you know saying wonderful things about the podcast, what which is a delight, but if if you have found recovery, what worked? What uh, what helped you most? What were some things that weren't working? Because um, uh, we, we want to hear all of that. So if you feel comfortable sharing your success story, send them to me over at Fearcast Podcast, and I'll be happy to uh, share them. So we've got two questions today. The first question is going to come from Isaac. Isaac says, I had previously been diagnosed with GAD, so generalized anxiety disorder. Um, more recently, out of the blue, have been obsessed about whether or not or whether I'm gay or not. And then they say parenthetically, I've always been or I've, I've always been exclusively interested in girls without a doubt. They go on to say, I suspect that it's HOCD based on your podcast, but I've been struggling with some research saying HOCD is fake. I believe I have been dealing with this for three months and that my anxiety towards these thoughts have lessened, though I still hate them and they don't turn me on whatsoever. My question is this. If HOCD, and again, I say HOCD. HOCD is the old term that we used to use. We now say sexual orientation OCD. HOCD stood, stands for, stood for um, homosexual H-O- homosexual OCD, um, but uh, or I suppose heterosexual OCD as well to, to have that kind of um, uh, flip on that. But now we just generally refer to it as sexual orientation OCD. You, you have heard me say this before, switching the terms. Some people still use the old terms. Some people don't. Anyways, um, so the question is this. If, if HOCD, sexual orientation OCD, is fake, how do I accept my gayness when gay thoughts don't turn me on, uh, don't turn me on and uh, and only cause anxiety? They then say, if HOCD is real, um, any additional tips on accepting these thoughts would be helpful. Thanks so much and love the podcast. Okay, Isaac. Um, thank you so much for this question. For, first off, where are you getting the information that says that HOCD is fake? I, I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm, I, I guess I'll, I'll research this and, and see what it, what it says about HOCD is fake. I suppose it's. I suppose people are probably saying it's not um, rumination about uh, one's sexual orientation. It is internalized homophobia. It is suppressed uh, sexuality. Um, it could be, it's probably people making those arguments. Um, however, I will disagree with them. Um, I, I, what, one thing that, that you've noted here is these, these thoughts don't turn you on even at all. So how do you accept these, these gay thoughts? Well, one thing that often happens with folks with OCD is this, you know, th- this sense that they've, they have argued for the position that they believe to be true a thousand times, a million times, 
but that obsessive doubt still pops in and suggests that maybe they're wrong. Maybe they haven't investigated it enough. Maybe it's really deep down. It's deep, deep down within them. And it's, it, you know, it'll come out. It'll come out eventually, right? The truth about them will come out. And they need to ruminate about it, think about it, look for evidence for it, question it, get to the bottom of it, right? To discover the truth. Am I gay? Am I not gay? Right? It's and it's this it's this seemingly endless loop because you you've you again go back to I believe this to be true, and then it says, Yeah, but are you sure? And that's enough to yank somebody back into that rumination process. So it's 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 something that you know I've I've said this before. We we want to trust our compulsive conclusion. So it's a silly way of saying you know through your through one's compulsions through Isaac through your compulsions. I bet they are to evaluate your feelings. Am I attracted to men? Am I attracted to women? And then and and to see where you come up with. Now you've said when you evaluate and think about your attraction towards men it doesn't really do anything for you. When you evaluate your feelings towards women, it does something for you. But, and, and that's not the case for everybody. Sometimes, you know, people can be so overwhelmed by their anxiety, it's they, they kind of don't feel anything for anybody. And that's just, you know, one of the things that anxiety does is it feels all-consuming and, and can muddle things, which then furthers that obsession about, say, about their sexuality, saying, see, I don't even feel attracted to women anymore, the people to whom I feel I should be attracted to, Put, putting all that in quotes, right? So that just furthers the evidence and the reason why, the quote, reason why one should um, uh, have their, do their compulsions, right? It justifies their compulsive process. But you've been fighting for this thing that you believe to be true. So what, what I would advise is think about what is the thing, what's the thing that you've been fighting for and perhaps trust that that is true, that what if that, that were true, this thing that deep down you believe to be um, accurate about your core self, about you, yet this doubtful thought keeps cropping back up and keeps yanking you into this rumination. If we could trust that it was true, if we acted as if that were true, what would be different for you? What would you think about? What would you not think about? Where would you put your energy? If you trusted that you were, it, it, by, by what you're saying, if you were straight, would you, would you spend all your time ruminating about your sexuality? Probably not. You would act as if that were true. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Now, in that there is, there is exposure. Some people would say it's probably just avoidance or putting your head in the sand. Um, but some would also say, and I would argue this because I am, um, you'd, be, you'd be practicing more of a redirection towards your, your values and what you believe to be accurate and true about yourself and then taking steps towards that. Of course, there's space for exposure in there, obviously, but that would be one way to accept it, or accept the presence of these is by acting as if your compulsive conclusion is accurate. Now, you said, if, if HOCD is fake, how do I accept my gayness with, uh, with my gay, and my gay thoughts don't turn me on? Well, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time just coming from the perspective to say that HOCD is fake. Um, because to say, you know, because then you're, you're then saying, all right, HOCD is fake, so I am indeed gay, but nothing about that is interesting to me. It's like, it, it's, this is a very bad analogy, but it's almost as if me saying, well, you know, I, I guess I, I, I guess I like, 
I'm, I'm someone who likes eating mushrooms, but, but also I hate mushrooms, but I guess I have to accept that I'm somebody who loves mushrooms. So, you know, that's something that I have to do. This is uh, the, the food mushrooms, not the, the drug mushrooms. Anyways, um, I don't know why I needed to even specify that. So one of the things that OCD often does is it, conf- it, 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 it makes you think that the solution is by resolving the content of the obsession rather than accepting the feeling of doubt and anxiety and living your life. So my position has often been that OCD isn't really a thought problem. It's a feeling problem. It's the doubt, right? It's not a delusional disorder where someone, where someone doesn't have a grasp on reality. It's they, they have doubt. The feeling shows up, which then causes them to go back into their rumination to resolve that feeling. Yeah, there are some cognitive distortions going on, but that's also, that's, you know, to a certain degree true for everybody. And for folks with OCD, that is especially true. But it, it, OCD convinces you again, the way that you're going to get out of this, Isaac, is by getting to the bottom of whether or not you are indeed gay or whether or not you're indeed straight. It's ultimately not. You have, you've told me in this, you don't believe that's true. You don't believe it's true. But that feeling is there. So what I'm saying is we want to instead expand what you're willing to experience and to say, all right, I have these thoughts. Yes, I do. I also have all these other thoughts and feelings that are happening all at once as well. This idea of, of, of just truly radically accepting the stuff that's in your head without agreeing that it's true or not. My tired example is this, is, you know, I, I give this example a lot and I probably get it on the podcast. Um, a very extreme example too. So if, if you were to look at the book, uh, Mein Kampf, Mein Kampf is um, uh, Adolf Hitler's uh, manifesto. Um, I, I don't need to explain who Hitler is. I think everybody knows by now. Um, so he wrote this book and it talks all about his position and his beliefs. Now we can, we can then ag- agree that the book exists. It's a, it's a real book. You can buy it. I don't even know if they sell it on Amazon. Point is, you can buy it, you can have it, but you don't need to then agree with the content of it, right? There's a big separation there. We can agree that the book is real, but not that it's a fact, right? It's factually present, but not factual in content. OCD says you need to get into the book and you need to question whether or not you, you believe it or not. And that's not what the conversation needs to be about. Instead, we want to pull back to say, for right now, you know what? I'm not going to engage with that conversation because that rumination, that ruminative and compulsive cycle has been unproductive, has been um, unfruitful for you. Instead, we want to shift over to say, you know what? I'm going to disengage and I'm going to say, you know what? These are the thoughts that are there. They are there. This is the feeling that I have. Addition, you know, I have the feeling of anxiety. I have the feeling of doubt. I have the feeling of maybe anger. I have the feeling of annoyance. I have the feeling of depression, maybe even despair with the, 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 the cycle that's been going on, right? Now, all of that can be felt in the moment because all of that might be truly felt in the moment. Now, but it doesn't then mean all of those things, the concepts of those are true either. It doesn't mean, you know, if you feel despair, it doesn't mean that you are globally, dis, you know, despaired. You feel a feeling in that moment. For right now, 
and that feeling is going to change. This doubt is always going to change. I love that it said, you know, this feeling that you have of uncertainty and doubt will always go away as evidenced by the fact that it comes back. It will come back and then it'll go away. The way that you can accept this is to say, for right now, what do I feel? And what are the thoughts in my head? What are the mental images that are floating around? And how can I say that's a fact as this, as, as this moment, a fact that they are present, and then redirect towards my life, the thing that I value more? So that would be one of the ways that you can certainly do this. Now, the next question, if HOCD is real, any additional tips on accepting these thoughts would be helpful. So I, I think that I've, I've already answered that. Um, all of this is, you know, within the broader perspective of acceptance and, and, um, and uh, mindfully accepting things and just radical acceptance of thoughts, feelings, images, sensations, and urges. But the, the response prevention is disengaging with the, the debate over the content of it and debate over your relationship with it. So, so I, I would encourage you to practice that. And that can be done just, you know, in, in individual moments, right? Just right now. What are you thinking, feeling, sensing? What is there? You don't need to like it. You don't need to agree with it. You don't need to uh, uh, support it and say that it's, it, it is, or you don't need to put a judgment on it to say it's good or bad or right or wrong. It's just, it is, right? It might be raining where you are and you don't like the rain, okay? Regardless, it's raining that day. It's raining. It's raining for right now. That might change right? It will change. That might, it will change. But for right now, it is raining. So that would be something to continue to work toward is practicing that and then disengaging from that. So if you haven't already, I would encourage you to work with a therapist on this to talk more about how to work with it. So um, let's see here. Um, all right, so let's jump into that next question. Oh, I have a session at the top of the hour. We're going to do this real quick, I hope. All right, so this next question comes from Lee, L-E-I-G-H. Lee? Lee? Yeah, I'll say Lee. We're going to go with Lee. All right, so Lee says, do you have any advice for someone dealing with a stubborn spouse who will not seriously consider that they may be struggling with ROCD? There are many signs of it, like chasing feelings, inexplicable doubts, uh, distress about uh, how things will turn out for us, um, though I grant it may not be ROCD. Curious if you have encountered cases where people, uh, people are or spend time in denial of OCD or any theme. Lee, yes, of course we do. Uh, pl plenty of people can be in, in denial of their obsessions and the, and the, and the presence of it. Um, and some people, some people very much get fixated on the idea that, this is kind of what we are talking about in the previous question, they get fixated on the idea that the solution to their doubts is by solving or resolving the doubt, right? Or getting an answer to it. So in this, it might be, it, it, so that's, that's where they, they get fixated on. For someone fixated on ROCD, they might need to, they, their doubt, their, their chasing feelings, right? Their distress about how things will turn out for, for you to, they might be be uh, uh, kind of fused with it to borrow acts language fused with the idea that that is the way out of this is by getting ah that positive wonderful lovey-dovey feeling again and that um, you know eradicating doubt from one's mind and making sure that you're confident that life will turn out now we we all perhaps acknowledge that you know we don't know how relationships will turn out right um, 
there, if we think hard enough, there can be doubts pretty much about anything in life. So, you know, having someone, so it's not unheard of to have somebody doubt whether or not they have their diagnosis. Um, and sometimes they then justify that, that doubt for you know, any number of reasons. The best way that you can support this person is, you know, if you haven't done this already, you know, you can, you can gently, lovingly send to them a, a, an article about ROCD and say, you know, I know you've been struggling, we've been struggling with this. And, you know, this article kind of resonated with what we've been going through, right? Because, you know, to a certain degree, both of you are in it. When there are doubts there, you can acknowledge, you know, the doubt must be painful, that you still love them, that you're still there for them, you're still in the relationship, and asking, you know, how you can help. And there may be some things that you are unable to do, and also some things that you're unwilling to do, and you can be honest about that. I think the most important thing is just to continue to encourage, um, perhaps, you know, perhaps, Simply encouraging this uh, partner of yours to go uh, to go get an assessment with a with a therapist, a, a competent OCD professional, um, and and they can have that conversation, right? That OCD professional who you know knows what ROCD is and treats it and knows what it's all about, they might be able to then say, "Hey, here's what's going on," and um, they can tell both of you, "Yes, ROCD is at play," or. No, ROCD is not a play. And hey, you in the relationship, you, Lee, you're doing a whole bunch of stuff that's creating this doubt, right? I mean, I don't know you. I don't know your spouse. It's possible. It's not ROCD. And you're acting in a whole bunch of ways that are instilling doubt, creating doubt, fostering doubt within the relationship. I don't know. But I think getting an assessment from a professional would be a great idea. And it doesn't mean that you have to get treatment for it. It's just saying, let's go chat about it and to see if maybe it's, it is you and OCD or ROCD, or maybe it's me, and, or maybe it's nothing, or maybe it's something that we need to work out through actual couples therapy because there might be things that are creating doubt that need to be looked at from a relationship therapy perspective, right? So I'd say, you know, start with an article, start with a podcast. I, I think I've done, I, I think I've done an uh, ROCD episode. I think other people have done ROCD episodes. Um, and listen, listen to those, listen to them together and say, what resonates with you? What doesn't? Does this kind of sound like you? Does it not sound like you? And then maybe that's a way to broach the subject in a calm and caring way. So uh, Lee, I hope that was helpful. Um, I'm going to uh, call it quits there. What I would love from anybody out there, if if you have feedback, so if 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 you are the person struggling with ROCD, how would you have wanted your partner to broach the subject? How, what would be a good way? What would be have been a kind way to have them bring it up? If there was someone out there who's in this exact situation that Lee is in, can they can they message and say, "Here's what I did, and here's how I." Uh, talked about this with my partner and got them on board or opened it up, right? So um, message me questions over there. Go, go over to uh, find me on Instagram, message me over there. You can also send me questions over at fearcastpodcast.com. And I would love to put those up as follow-ups uh, to this episode. Um, I, I'm curious about what what other people are doing. So all right, let's call it quits here. I'll slide that music in. Thank you all so much for joining me for this podcast. I hope you are all doing well and continue to do well, pushing yourself. Um, 
Uh, please remember that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have any uh, questions about uh, uh, questions about therapy or need a little bit of help, you can go to fearcastpodcast.com. Click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some stuff there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye. Thank you.